Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello and welcome into a crossover edition of Believe in Titans and Believe in Jaguars. I'm Davey Hudson alongside Denard Walker, and we're welcoming in Phil and James, host of the Believe in Jags. Guys, how are we all doing today? Good, man. Good, good, man. All right. Man. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. This, this is uh, the first time we got all four of us in here to try to sort out what we expect to happen during the game on Sunday, kind of discuss what we might be looking at as matchups happen doing a little bit of recap of what to expect for those who might not understand or keep up too much with what's happened in the offseason for the Titans or for the Jaguars. But before we get started, I'd like to say that the wait is finally over. Football is back. And you might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. And guys, I don't know if you've, you've seen this, but the latest numbers, whenever you go over to Bet Online, the over-under for the Jags at the Titans this coming Sunday at 1 Eastern, the, the over-under is at 43, and the line is setting at Titans minus 9. But I hope you guys are having better success so far betting than I am. But, hey, from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Guys, to get us started, I kind of wanted to go with an overview of, and James and Phil, we'll ask you this first, but when you're looking at the Jags coming away with that week one win over the Colts, I guess going into it, what did you expect and how did your team, in your guys' opinion, look? Was it something that you didn't see coming? Just, I guess, a general overview. What was your all's takeaway after week one? Um, I started off, I guess I can't, I don't want to speak for Phil, but I guess for me and most other Jags fans, we were concerned about the lack of experience the Jags have because they entered the season as the youngest initial roster in football. I actually just tweeted it out. Uh, their age average at the time or well, when final cuts was made, uh, was 24.9 and, uh, you know, the Colts were 10th in terms of age. So they were relatively young too as well. But with that inexperience on the Jags half or or on their behalf, what concerned me was their struggles against Phillip Rivers, who has traditionally eaten them alive. I think he's seven and two against them regardless of where they play. Uh but they t they really struggle against him on the West Coast, but still even at home they're they aren't all that good against him. Uh, I think he's thrown for uh, just a ridiculous amount of yards that I saw. I think it was like 2,600 yards or something like that against them over time. So that really concerned me. And not only that, part of why the Jaguars are so young is because of specifically at cornerback and, and on defense, they're really young there. They had four 
rookie corners, if I can recall, on their initial roster. That's not ideal. And that's certainly not ideal to play Phillip Rivers with. So those were the concerns heading into the game. But, I mean, they all proved us wrong to, for the most part. But uh, except maybe Phil, because Phil actually predicted the Jags to win, it, although he was off with the score a little bit. But a lot of those young players were the reason they beat Phillip Rivers, when you look at it. You know, Dewey Wingard getting the pick and uh, – our first round pick, C.J. Henderson, also getting a pick on him as well. They all made crucial plays and crucial moments, and that was how they were able to win that game eventually. Yeah, j- just to kind of echo what Jay just said as well, the the biggest concerns, of course, Phillip Rivers' substantial success against the Jags over the years, but also their inability to stop the run last year. And, Jay, this is something I think you and I talked about on uh, the episode we released Tuesday morning where it really looked like Marlon Mack was about to cook him in, until he unfortunately went down. And, um, you know, you never, you obviously you never want to see that. But once they were able to get that under control, uh, Jonathan Taylor, of course, with his first game action, Naeem Hines really being more of a threat uh, in the passing game, you know, lo- that worked out in their favor. Um, but Jay talked about the youth right there. And, you know, that's why I'm kind of I'm, – I'm really happy, you know, Denard is here. Is that something like – that maybe worked in their advantage because they were younger. They, they kind of just went out there and they were a little loose. You know what I mean? Maybe that worked in their advantage. Yeah. That's the greatest thing about youth is, you know, you're going to make some mistakes and they did, you know, I watched that game and the first, the first quarter I was like, Mac is probably going to put up about 250 yards rushing. And a lot of that was coming from screens. They did not, they did not account for the screen all game. And I was saying to myself, if they don't pick up this back, in the next quarter or so, this guy's going to absolutely put on a show. And they still didn't get it corrected. And that's something that Tennessee is really good at, is those screen passes. So they, I look at this team coming back this week, Sunday, when they get here in Tennessee, is they going to have to clean that up? Because if not, it's going to be a long day, especially when you got Derek in the backfield. Yeah, Denard, I want to ask you something real quick on that, too, because, you know, you're a former defensive back, like, to me on film, it looked like they just weren't getting enough bodies out there in the open field to uh, stop the screen game. And and oftentimes it was like, when I looked on film, it was one DB out there against two or three people, including the offensive linemen. And that's a recipe for disaster, as you said. And yeah, when you look at the, um, the amount of yardage that the Indianapolis Colts got, they did get a significant amount yardage in the screen game but wouldn't you agree with that assessment is this just they weren't getting a lot of bodies in the open field to uh to cover up all of the people that were there and as a result they got pretty much demolished in that department yeah to to a certain extent and that's also schematic they got they basically got our game plan that's something that the defensive coordinator has to account for you cannot go into a game and say listen when you you know this is a team that's going to run a lot of screens. You got to account for the back end. You got to account for the tight ends. And we didn't see that many screens run to the receivers because those guys usually don't do that. But again, because you know with Conley and Shark, they're so big, six four. You don't have to worry about your receivers because a lot of times you try to run a screen with the receiver. They the defense is so fast it's on the edges that basically shuts that down. But again. When you're playing a team like Tennessee this week, I'm telling you the defensive coordinator, the first thing he's going to put an emphasis on, I'm talking about the defensive coordinator for Jacksonville, is we got to stop the screen game. And if they don't do that, it's going to be a long day because that's, you know, again, I think what kept that team in the game is their special teams. They play really well on special teams, and that's something Tennessee didn't do, so they have to clean it up on their part, on their end. But, 
you know, what happens is, is when you have youth, you can expect that. It's going to be some growing pain. So I could tell the people right now in Jacksonville, you got two young corners, Trey Herndon and C.J. Henderson, who I love out of Florida. I thought that was a great draft pick. I thought he was probably the best corner on, along with Christian Fulton to come out last year. But again, you got to make sure that you clean that part of the game up. And if they do, because they're so young and they're so inexperienced, what happens is if they start stopping one thing, it can galvanize a whole you know, a whole program. And then you can see this team basically run off with some wins because of just basically being able to cut down one thing. So that's going to be huge this week for that team is the screen game. Yeah, I'm really interested to watch what Jacksonville does on the defensive side of the ball because obviously the number one priority is making sure Derrick Henry does not go off. And unfortunately for the Jags, that has not been very successful the last couple of times they have faced each other. Now, the problem, though, is whenever you look at what the Titans are doing is they're using the play action on that stacked box, and it's just holding guys over the middle, and Ryan Tannehill on play action is just extremely efficient. But with you guys mentioning the youth at the cornerback position, if you're having to stack the box and those guys get put on one-on-one situations against A.J. Brown and Corey Davis, can Ryan Tannehill just go over the top and those receivers take advantage of the rookie DBs? So that's kind of one of the things that I'm, I'm really interested to see because it's one of the things we always look at whenever you're talking about the top teams in the AFC in, the AFC in general where you've got the Chiefs, the Ravens, and I'm at the point where I put the Titans in that category where you have so many weapons, you can't double everybody. You've got to figure out what you're going to do when it comes to making sure you get yourself in favorable matchups. And a lot of the times you can't. And it's, the other team's going to put up points. It's just can you outscore them at the end of the day? And guys, I guess to kind of tra- transition a little bit, whenever you're looking at one of the things Denard and I talk about all the time is the X factor. Who is going to be that X factor that is going to get your team over the hump on Sunday, lead you to victory? For the Jags right now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like you guys would probably say Gardner Minshew's got to go off. Is, is that kind of where you're at for the Jags coming away on Sunday with a win? Uh, yeah, I would say that um, because – well, for one, traditionally, the Jags have struggled against the Titans, in my opinion, because of Blake Bortles. And I've always said, if the Jaguars change quarterbacks, I wonder how well they would fare off against the Titans because they simply had Blake Bortles' numbers. It was days where he was struggling to complete 10 passes against the Titans' uh, defense. It was, it was just that bad. And I think last year we partly saw that when they faced the Titans week three of last year, uh, when uh, that was at home for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Essentially, that's when Minshew Mania kicked off, if you look at the timeline. Thursday night game. Um, albeit, yeah. yeah, albeit he had um, he had started in the game before that against the Texans, and he entered the game after that against the Kansas City Chiefs, obviously. Uh, but Minshew Mania kind of took off from that point on. And he, if I can recall, I think he completed 20 of 30, for a little bit over 200 against them. So it was a pretty decent game on his part. Um, Maybe it was because, like, the Titans weren't familiar with him and so on and so forth. Uh, But, yeah, I I think he's the X factor uh, in the sense that, yeah, the Titans, you know, don't really have a lot on him in terms of uh, film. Because, I mean, even if you look at last year, well, it's a different scheme. They got uh, John Gruden now, or Jay Gruden, should I say. I'm sorry about that. Uh, last year it was a different offensive coordinator. It was uh, John DeFilippo. So maybe that could work to, the, uh, to their advantage. And, um, you know, I feel more confident in him getting the job done than, you know, with 
Blake Bortles in years past because he just simply couldn't get anything done against that Titans defense over the course of the years. Yeah, for me, it kind of goes hand in hand with Gardner Minshew because, of course, if this guy that I'm about to mention uh, is having a good game, that means um, Minshew did, uh, and that's LaVisca Chenault. Uh, we've already, they've already talked about during the week that they're coming in with a whole new game plan, which is something that's really unheard of in Jacksonville over the last few years. We, we have some, these kind of changes from week to week. And, you know, just last week we saw LaVisca line up on the outside, slot, running back, wildcat quarterback. He was all over the place, and I think they're going to continue to do that. So, like I mentioned, if, you know, if, if Minshew's having a good game, hopefully that means LaVisca is having a good game because he's they, t- they said they've been adamant that, if LaVisca came out last year, they felt like he would have been one of the top receivers in the draft. And I've, I've been talking about highly about that guy since we took him. So I think uh, the X factor would, would certainly be LaVisca. Um, so, of course, then on the other side of things, I guess, who would be that guy that should maybe scare the Jaguars that fans maybe aren't necessarily thinking of? I feel like Derrick Henry is the obvious answer, but I, I guess to kind of go in a different route, I'm going to say – I'm looking at it from a defensive side, and you got to have a pass rush. That was the reason that the Titans really didn't do anything against the Chiefs the final game of the year for them in the AFC championship game. And so Jadavion Clowney being in the system for, by the time they play on Sunday, two weeks, I mean, he's a guy, is Vrabel just going to say, go get him. And if you can create some pressure, one of the reasons I thought the Jaguars were able to come away with a win over the Colts is because they didn't turn the ball over. And can you make that turnover battle go in your favor. And if Clowney or if Clowney's just the guy that the Jags are having to double, does that open up things for Harold Landry on the other side? Does Vic Beasley get in or Camilla Correa? Are they able to get pressure? What kind of happens there? So from the defensive side of the ball, I'm really looking at it from a pass rush standpoint. And I'm going to go with Clowney just kind of wanting to see because the Titans didn't get any sacks against Denver, but Denver made sure they got the ball out super quick. So does Jacksonville go with something similar? And I mean, Minshew, I mean, he was 19 of 20, so that's pretty efficient whenever you're looking at it from a passing standpoint. Is he able to do something like that? And, and you guys mentioned Chenault with Adoree Jackson being on IR. Uh, that's that's going to be interesting because the Titans, their cornerback situation right now is not the best. But we got some youth there, and I'm, I'm sure Denard would, would talk more on that. So that's where I'm, I'm more focused on the defensive side of the ball than I am the offense. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lock in Jadavion Clowney as – the guy who needs to be the X factor, in my opinion. Well, first of all, thank both of you guys. Uh, you just basically took everything that I just wrote down. Phil, I was <laughs> I was talking about LaVisca because I know him quite well. He's from this area. I'm from Garland, right. Texas. He's from out of the DeSoto area, which is a basically. Yeah, I'm from, uh, I'm from Plano. So, oh, you're from Plano. Oh, you know this yes, area. Sir. Yeah, this is a <laughs> yes, breeding sir. ground for talent. So, you know, I don't yeah. have to tell you. And when you said LaVisca, I was just basically saying, oh, my gosh. I was just thinking about that because I had him coming out the draft board as the best receiver, 6'2", 220-some pounds plus out of Colorado. The guy's a beast. I mean, absolutely. They had a quarterback at Colorado. He probably would be the number one receiver taken uh, in this draft. The thing that I love about him is his physicality. This is a grown man playing receiver. I mean, he could easily be playing running back. He's so big and strong. And then I just – and I've, I was watching last week, and I just saw how they start implementing him in the game plan. It was real slow, but they just kind of get him in, run his those digs routes. He goes in there. He makes those tough catches. They put him in a slot. I mean, everywhere. 
And I think he's going to be a guy that they're going to utilize. If they really want some success, they got to find a playmaker. And I think that's exactly what he is. And then my X factor for Tennessee, D Davey, you must have been reading my mind because I was saying Jadavion going against Cam Robertson, SEC versus SEC, South Carolina versus Alabama. This is going to be the matchup to watch. And the reason that I say this is because Jacksonville struggle against the Colts and play action. A lot of times that pocket was collapsing within about two seconds, and you can't have that. So when you got a defensive player like Jadavion who's very disruptive, you know when Jadavion goes off, it could be a long day for that tackle. And I just think Cam – Cam Robinson, he's got his work cut out for him Sunday. And so that's a matchup that I'm going to watch because that might determine the game because if Tennessee can continue to get to Minshew, if he don't have no chance to throw, basically it puts them in a one-dimensional game and they just got to hand off to James Robinson. And I, I love James Robinson because he's a good young player. I'm telling you something. This guy's the real deal. What we were thinking of what Leonard Fournette was going to be doing, that's what James Robinson is doing as a rookie. This guy is for real. Do not come up there playing around at that line of scrimmage. He's put 5'11", 219, 220. This is a grown man. And the way that he basically – the Colts look like that sometimes they didn't want to tackle this guy. So I'm just anxious to see the matchup, Jadavion versus Camp, South Carolina versus Alabama. I do believe this, this matchup right here would determine the course of this game because if Cam cannot hold up on the edges like last week, I don't think Jacksonville has a chance of winning this game. And, and I'll add to that, Denard, I think with another week in the system, even though Jadavion Clowney is very familiar with what Mike Vrabel wants to do, Shane Bowen was his outside linebackers coach while he was in Houston. You saw it a little bit. I mean, Clowney registered, I think, 80% of the defensive snaps on Monday night. Now, what Clowney would do in Vrabel's system was they'd just move him all over the field. So do we start to see Clowney start to move to different spots on the defense, try to attack from different angles, and just try to keep the Jaguars on their toes on that front? And I, I guess kind of talking about what the, the X factor is going into it, who we kind of expect to be that guy, what would you say is the, the biggest question mark going into the game whenever you're, you're looking at the Jags and, and what they're going to be trying to do? Where is that reason for concern? The biggest question mark, in my opinion, for Jacksonville? Yeah, we, we'll just go – we can all go around and – uh, well, it's easy. It's the offensive line, you know, because I think that they struggled last week when you're talking about play action. I mean, that when the, when the pocket collapses as fast as it was happening Sunday, that's not going to cut it against this defense. You think about it. you got Clowney, Simmons, Jones, Crawford, Landry. you got guys that can basically disrupt the game within a heartbeat. So you have to account for those four. And I'm telling you, if they can't hold up on the – always, I, I say this all the time. This game is won and it's lost in the trenches. And if you can't hold up up front, you don't have a chance at winning on a Sunday or a Monday. That's just the way this game works. And so this is a game where I believe it's going to come down to if Jacksonville can block Tennessee, Jacksonville will have a chance at winning this game. If not, this game will be over very quickly. Yeah, I would say I agree with um, Denard. That's, that's what came to my mind immediately. But to go in a different route, uh, uh, an area that concerns me for the Jacksonville Jaguars is safety because they just lost their starting safety for three weeks on IR, and that's Gerard Wilson, who, granted, now, it's not that big of a, in terms of what we saw last week, it's not that big of a drop-off in play between Wilson and Andrew Wingard in terms of if you're just basing it off of this year. But still, that's concerning because 
Uh, Wilson was a guy that registered like 100% of the Jag snaps on defense last year. So, you know, in a way, that's that's huge. And, uh, you know, maybe Ryan Tannehill could take advantage of that. Uh, like you all said, he's been a guy that utilized play action pretty well. Uh, so, you know, that, that kind of concerns me because when Andrew Wingard did start on the field last year, albeit he was an undrafted rookie free agent, it wasn't all that pretty. Uh, this year, he looked good. And, uh, you know, what time he did spend on the field, I think he registered like a PFF grade in the upper 90s right now. But again, this was a guy that didn't necessarily see the field for a lot of snaps because when Wilson got injured, you know, they just supplemented him in temporarily, or whatever the case may be. But safety does kind of concern me uh, when looking at this game. Yeah, I love when there's you know just all these different people in here because it means we can all have you know go in different directions because yes those two things definitely concern me I'm still concerned about the run defense man like like we just talked about with Marlon Mack uh before he went out he was having a, a heck of a day and then now you bring in Derrick Henry like who also has eaten against the Jaguars all right <laughs> let's we all have those all Jaguars fans have those images ingrained in their minds and they're terrifying. So it's still the run defense for me, along with, of course, what Jay and Anar both said. So, um, yeah, I guess just to, you know, bring it back around uh, to, to you, Davey. So, you know, when you look at the Titans, if you just look at the highlights and the box score, you think, man, it seems like they struggle. But when I did a deep dive into this game, I was like, man, Titans should have ran away with this thing, right? So is yeah. what's the biggest question mark? Is it is it obvious? the special teams or is it something that maybe we haven't thought about? I would, I would definitely say not necessarily special teams, but just the field goal kicking unit. I mean, I personally think Brett Kern is the best punter in the league. He managed to flip field position like no other whenever you watched it Monday night. And then the last several years, I mean, he's, he's been a lead. I know James, you brought up uh, pro football focus numbers. Uh, there was a bigger gap between one and two last year than there was between two and 17 at the punting position. So Brett's just been, lights out in that category and yeah it's Goskowski and Denard and I we talked about this when we were breaking down the the Broncos film you know we're talking about a guy who's going to be in the Hall of Fame one day but he came out and missed four four kicks when you're talking about three field goals one extra point where he's had five seasons where he's missed fewer than four kicks the entire year so he's already eclipsed that ma that mark so that's that's frustrating and and so it's it's one of those things where Goskowski, right now, all indications are he's going to be the kicker for Sunday. I don't see any, anything to make me believe otherwise at the moment. But does he get his mojo back? I mean, he's a guy coming off of surgery. And even though he's been great throughout his career, we're, right now, it's kind of like we're looking at a different player. And if he can't get it done, then he's going to be hitting the road here soon. And so it's one of those guys we just got to make sure that he – if he gets his opportunities, he's got he's to be efficient. Yeah, you know what? I want to say this, too. While y'all are in the vicinity of special teams, uh, this, this, that's very well what this game could come down to because when the Jacksonville Jaguars have beaten the Titans, uh, specifically at home, it's come down to a key special teams play. I can recall a uh, um, native of my city, Albany, Georgia, Rashad Green making a key punt return against them that actually – was the X factor in the game uh, many, many years ago. And then last year, if you look at last year, special teams really uh, was what got the game going in the Jaguars' direction because in that muff punt week three, 
Uh, I forgot who it was that was, it was trying to return. It was a Dory Jackson, and and don't worry, it? you won't have to see him on uh, Sunday. Even though he's one of our best corners, right. he he is hurt right now. He's on IR. So, right, right. But uh, just going back to the special teams thing, you know, that kind of trickled the game in the Jazz direction because Gardner Mitchell took the field with what like 15 yards to go, or whatever the case may be. They were in uh, you know the Titans' ter- territory, and from that point on, he hit DJ Chart for his first touchdown. And again, like going back to what I was saying, that kind of triculated into uh, starting Minshew mania. But when you look at these games, when the Jaguars have been able to win, sometimes it's that key special teams play uh, that helps them. And, you know, like you said, with Goskowski, maybe a missed field goal is the difference in this game. You never know. But uh, if the Jaguars do have a chance and if the Jaguars do win this game, you probably can look back at the game on film and say, hey, it was this special teams play or that special teams play that maybe helped them uh, get the victory. Denard, I, I would say you're probably in the same boat as me saying that kicker is the biggest issue, but you're shaking your head like you've got something else you, you would like to, to add to the, the conversation of. No, because James hit it. You guys are taking the words right out of my mouth. I think <laughs> I agree. I mean, the kicking game, especially with the season being so, you know, this is only the second week. Guys haven't had a chance to have a preseason. And so it, it really boils down to field position. Again, your punters. We got one of the best best in Brick Kern. And then you talk about Jacksonville. Last week, you guys did a great job in making your field goals, you know. So, you know, Josh played really well last week. So I, I agree with James, man. This might come down to special teams and which kicker, which punter, field position. You know, that's that's so vital. I think people just – they underestimate – really how important it is that you have a really good punter you don't realize how uplifting that is to a defense you know if a if a kicker a punter shanks a punt then that puts pressure on the defense because it puts them in a really bad field position it puts pressure on a defensive coordinator now how he calls a game so I agree James I mean this might be a game again it might be ugly in the trenches and it might come down to the leg of the kicker that wins this game Hey, Denard, I wanted – sorry to cut you off, Davey. I apologize. Uh, I, I had a question. I was listening to uh, to, to Florio and uh, and Sims earlier today and getting ready for the, for this chat with you guys. And I think it was Florio brought up a, a point about Gostowski where, you know, last time he was there with the Patriots, he didn't have such a great night. I think he missed like an extra point or something along those lines. And I think Chris Sims brought up the point that, sometimes when you revisit stadiums where you maybe things didn't necessarily go well that's stuck in your head is can you can you speak on that that's is that a thing you know as a as someone who's just on the outside looking in phil let me tell you something i don't talk to kickers and i don't mess with punters at all because those guys are different they don't even practice during the week they come out there for 15 or 20 minutes they go kick a couple field goals do some punts and they're gone and it's been like that for me since high school. So I never, never mess with those guys. But yeah, kicking to me is just like any part of the game. It's all mental. Believe it or not, if you can get in a kicker's head, that's why one of the reasons at practice you will see coaches when it, you know, they'll do a little period of the kicking. They'll play some music. They'll play rap music. They'll play some rock music. They'll talk about the guy. They'll yell and scream. They'll throw things just to try to get in his head. Now, some guys, they're not phased by that. But some guys are, you know, we saw that the other night. I just don't think Steven Gaskowski was phased by those misses last night. I know there was 10 points that they left out. But again, if you're going to play this game, you have to be mentally tough. You got to know how, like Rob Winston said, 
He once told a lot of DBs, forget about your mistake and you got to move on past that and you got to play the next play. And that's the mentality that they teach NFL players is something bad is going to happen. I don't care how much you prepare during the week. You can have the best week of practice. I, I, let me just give you a little illustration. Back in 1999, I had the greatest week of practice leading into the Baltimore game. I mean, I made every play in practice. Everything was full speed. I was into it. I was energetic. I got on the field thinking, okay, this is going to be my day. This is going to be the day that Denar Walker is going to shine. I'm going to put on a Pro Bowl performance. And all of a sudden, boom, it just went downhill. It just spiraled like one play after the other. And I just couldn't wait for the game to be over. It happens. One of the things they always tell guys, you got to be resilient when you play this game because you got 80, 90,000 people up in their stands. They either see you do bad or they see you do good. You do good, they pat you on the back. You do bad, they're throwing stuff at you. They're throwing beer bottles. They're trying to get at you. They're talking about you. So one of the things you got to do is forget the last play. And I tell you, Steven has been in this business for a long time. It is a business. It is a business of production. He's been here because he knows how to correct his mistakes. And that's what you got to teach your kickers. You're going to miss some kicks. The question is, is how do you respond? So I think this is a game where we see Steven Gakowski. How does he respond from last from the other night, Monday night's performance? So that's going to be the biggest thing is how does he respond? If you can respond in this business, it allows you to stay another week at that job. If not, then you're out of the door. It's funny you talk about, you know, kickers not really doing too much during practice because, Jay, it just reminds me of when we would go to training camp as fans and Josh Scobie would just be doing nothing on the yeah. side. <laughs> they don't, they the... don't do nothing. That's all they do. They just sit there. They'll do their little thing in the morning, you know, because you always put special teams at first. And then they're basically playing soccer. Uh, sometimes a coach would tell the kickers, you can just go. You know, I know when I played in Tennessee, we had Al DeGreco and Craig Hendricks. Craig would be throwing balloons. I mean, he just messing around all day. Didn't do nothing. Al was the same way. He's playing golf probably within the first 15, 20 minutes of practice. They're gone, you know, and that's the way it is. Those guys got their own agenda. They live by a different creed. Kickers are different. I used to say all the time, stay away from them. And the guys would tell you this all the time. Please do not let the game come down to a guy have to make, having to uh, – to put the put the ball through the upright because when it just some for some reason we jinx our own selves thinking oh he's got this and then all of a sudden something bad happens so again kickers got their own agenda that's just the way it is they're a different breed they're like offensive linemen they got their own thing going I'm not putting them down I'm just saying that's a part of the game that a lot of people say we like to take away <laughs> I add this too uh you know don't be surprised to see Doug Marone try and ice him you know despite him being a, a a veteran as well, because we saw it last week with Rodrigo Blankenship, who is one of the best Georgia kickers of all time, I would know, because I'm a Georgia fan. So, I mean, like, whether it works or not, uh, that's another thing, but I wouldn't be surprised to see Doug Marone try to attempt with him. If it comes down to, like, these uh, field goal type of uh, uh, margin, don't be surprised to see Doug try that. Uh, whether or not it works, that's a whole nother different story. Well, guys, as we kind of wrap up here and we're looking at the game this coming Sunday you know the Titans Jags series it's been one of those that up until the last couple of years it was the Titans and the Jags would always split it every year starting from 2009 all the way to 2016 Titans and Jags went one and one against each other you know if it's going to be a home or away but it was just before the season's like I'm just going to chalk up one win for Jacksonville one win for the for the 
Tennessee at some point. But then once 2017 got here, it's really gone in the Titans' favor. They've won five of the last six, and that sixth one was last year down on Thursday night. And, and then once the Titans really made that change at quarterback and, and Ryan Tannehill came in, it, it really did help, help them. And back in November when the Titans and the Jags faced off for that final matchup in 2019, the Titans got the upper hand 42-20, to 20 and, and Derrick Henry had an incredible night. Whenever you're looking at this weekend, what are you predicting happen? will happen? Is this is a tough one to call? I think one thing that we didn't really mention that could be an X factor is the just the simple fact that the Jaguars don't have to deal with a crowd this time around, and I think that's a luxury of this season because the state of Florida, or at least Jacksonville, is allowing uh, a crowd. So when the Tennessee Titans play them, they'll have to endure a small crowd, albeit. And now this time around. While Jacksonville is fighting against history and, and they're fighting against a lot of these historic demons, I think maybe it's a possibility that that could play into it, not having to deal with a crowd, albeit you're going to have, uh, you know, speaker noise or what have you. But still, nonetheless, uh, for the sake of this game, you know what? No, I, I just I believe in Minshew. The Minshew X factor, I take Minshew on this. I think it's going to be close. I'll give them 21 to 17-ish, somewhere in that vicinity in terms of Jacksonville. They pull off an upset. Now, what that means towards the rest of the season, you can't put too much stock into these early games in the early part of the season because we didn't have a preseason. But right now, I think, you know, Minshew might get it done against them. And uh, I guess we'll see you on Sunday. The winner of this game will be atop the AFC South standings, albeit kind of, as you mentioned, it's only two games in, but still – Better to have a lead than to not have it. Thanks, thanks. Yeah, again, just like Jay said, really, really tough. Now, when we, uh, a couple of weeks, or actually right before week one, Jay and I did our season predictions, and I had pointed out that from week eight on for the Jaguars is absolutely brutal. Um, and then when I look at Tennessee's schedule after us, you you guys have the Vikings, the Steelers, and the Bills. So if the Jags can come away with a win here, they have a little bit of an opportunity to build a little bit of a cushion because the first half of their schedule is kind of the padded part, right? I think we have Miami coming up and also Cincinnati. I, I feel like we're going to lose one of those games that we shouldn't, but, you know, that's another story. But uh, I just like Jay made a lot of good points. I think it's definitely going to be really close. But just as we talked about, I think it's going to come down to the field position and the special teams. Um, I, I do have Tennessee winning this one 23 to 17, somewhere in that area, but I definitely think it's going to be very close. And just like Jay mentioned, I think a lot of that will have to do with the fact that, you know, they won't necessarily have to deal with a really hostile crowd because of course we know, you know, the history between these two teams, but I do have Tennessee with a slight edge. Denard. Well, <clears throat> I'm not going to take back what I said the other night when as I alluded to earlier, I, I truly believe this is going to be Derek's coming out party uh, Sunday. I think this line of, of Taylor, Saffold, Jones, Davis, and Kelly, I just think they're too powerful for Allen Jones, Brian, and, and Gotsis. I just don't think they have a chance up front. Uh, Mac, the other day, if he wouldn't have gotten hurt, I think he would have just absolutely put on a brilliant performance that we've probably never seen in a long time. Not to mention, Jonathan Taylor coming in and Hines, they basically was just gashing that defensive line. They didn't have an answer for the Colts running game. 
So I'm going to go, and especially Tennessee loves to run that zone scheme. and They love to run right up the gut, come right at you, and they're very physical. I just think that Tennessee is just too physical for this Jacksonville team. And I got this game not even bad. 35-17, as I alluded to earlier in my podcast, I said it's going to be 35-17. I'm not good at making predictions, but I just think Derek is going to run wild. And until Jacksonville's, they really – they do something with this defensive line. I just don't think they have a chance to, to go against this physical football offense that uh, Tennessee, uh, what they will see when they come to Nashville Sunday. To close us out, I, I think after watching the Titans on Monday night, they realized that they were very fortunate to come away with a victory. And it's not one of those where they're going to get caught up in the moment of, all right, yeah, we, we got this win. We can slack a little bit. We're we're good. We went to the AFC South or we went to the AFC Championship game last year. They're going to come out with a vengeance. They realize how fortunate they actually are to be one and zero right now. And whenever they do get to come back home and they get to go up against a team like I agree with Denard that does struggle in stopping the run, and that's the Titans' bread and butter. I think they're going to get a, get an early lead. I do expect Jacksonville to get some points there late, but I'm going with the Titans twenty-seven to nineteen. So right now Jacksonville would uh, cover the spread in my opinion, but. It's definitely going to be a game that the AFC South's got their, their sights on because it will determine a lot early on as far as how that division starts to shake out, especially with the – I mean, the Texans, they got another rough opponent. They're playing Baltimore this weekend, so I'm not predicting that they're coming away with the win there. And the Colts, I mean, Phillip Rivers, stop me if you've heard this, but he's probably going to be, a t- be down one touchdown late with an opportunity to score and it doesn't happen. But that's kind of where I'm, where I'm at. But – Phil, James, we really appreciate you coming on with Denard and myself. Had a lot of fun doing this, and we'll have another opportunity to, opportunity to do it later in the year. But tell, tell everyone where they can find you guys at. Yeah, we appreciate y'all having us. Really do. Um, and it was good to get insight from both you and Denard, a player who's been in the game and had a, a lot of great insight. We appreciate that. Uh, that being said, but you can follow us on um, – at Believe in Jags Pod on Twitter. You can follow me at SportsGrind underscore Dunn. Uh, you can follow the Jaguars Wire at, uh, excuse me, at www.jaguarswire.usatoday.com. And, of course, I'll let Phil plug all of his stuff as well. Yeah, guys, again, so much fun. You know, I, I absolutely cannot stand the Titans, but it, that hatred gets a little bit less when I get to talk to, you know, fun people like, <laughs> like you guys. <laughs> um, but again, uh, uh, you can find me at Phil the Filipino, F-I-L-I-P-I-N-O. Uh, of course, tweet out a whole bunch of Jag stats and, and facts and stuff like that, but then also do uh, some stuff in terms of the entertainment world. Um, so definitely check that out. But yeah, this was a blast, you guys. And uh, first and foremost, of course, hopefully uh, everybody stays healthy and going through this year, you know, just with all the uncertainty, we just hope that that keeps up. And uh, yeah, let's, let's have some fun. And like I said, everybody stay safe. Yeah, again, we appreciate you guys jumping on with us, and uh, we're glad to get some insight on the Jaguars because, I mean, our fans, too, it's it's a young team, as James, you started the show off with, and so a lot of questions as, as far as to what they're they're looking at and maybe what the Jags are going to do over the course of the season. But if you want to keep up with Denard and myself, you can follow us at Believe Titans. That's B-L-E-A-V-T-I-T-A-N-S. And Denard, you can follow him on Twitter at Denard underscore Walker and myself at Davey underscore Hudson. And, you know, guys, uh, I wish you all luck, but not too much luck come Sunday. Yeah. And, uh, and I look forward That's to doing fair. it again later, <laughs> later in the season.
Absolutely, gentlemen. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. And as always, tighten up. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of Believe in Titans on the Believe Podcast Network. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate us on iTunes. We are available on all your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. And you can follow along to keep up with all the latest Titans information on Twitter at Believe Titans. That's B-L-E-A-V-T-I-T-A-N-S. And hey, if you're interested in advertising on the show, please contact Believe at Believe.com. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.